welcome friends to our show, Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm your host, Chris Wolwin. So glad to be here with you this evening. How are we doing with all this quarantine? I hope you're doing well. I hope you're learning a tremendous amount of of God's faithfulness to you, to your family, um, wherever they may be. It is an interesting time, isn't it? It's especially if you are keeping up with the news and now all the uh, political maneuvering that's going on the over who to blame. I don't think that will ever end, will it? I think we've grown, a, grown accustomed to this kind of, of um, interaction between governments around the world. Nevertheless, we are here to think on, reflect upon uh, God's goodness and faithfulness to us, as well as to explore ways to grow in our relationship with God. I think, as you know, I I have said uh, on many occasions that uh, our goal here is to not uh, teach and not preach, but to encourage a time of reflection on on the things of God, uh, regardless of the situation or circumstance we find ourselves in. This is a show that uh, we are in our second season. The first season was with my co-host, Kurt Flagel, who is on a sabbatical, and with my producer, Annie Keith, who is also on a mini sabbatical. And so I am left holding down or holding up the fort, glad to be doing it, had to learn a lot about how to do this well. You may have observed on the last, I would say, four or five episodes, uh, real difficulty with my sound uh, coming through my microphone into Never Never Land of the Internet. And I tell you, we have tried to troubleshoot everything uh, looking at platforms, at browsers, at microphones, at Cat5, Cat6, and Cat7 cords, and all this kind of thing. I'm I'm hopeful we have found a solution this evening, and um, looking forward to hearing how this all turns out <laughs> at the end of it all. One of the things that we uh, began doing in Season 1, and we are continuing to do just because it is fun to do, is to think about some trivial matters, which, of course, is always appropriate when you have time on your hands, right? You think of trivial matters, or maybe you don't think at all. That may be. But I found some, because we... uh, as a general rule, are all quarantined. You know, where I work, I work at an assisted living here on the central coast of California, and uh, all the residents are quarantined, and I, to a certain degree, am quarantined with them. Uh, but I do come homes, and I ha- come home, and I have to be careful of, you know, hand washing and hygiene washing and face masking and social distancing wherever I go, particularly at the gas stations and the food stores as I run certain errands and so forth. Uh, I'm trusting the Lord. The Lord knows the days, the hours, the time that he has for me on this planet, and he knew it before I was born. And so I'm, I'm at peace over much of this. 
I my only concern is for all of you and for my family members as they adjust to a brave new world if that's what we want to call it anyway as I was thinking about people at home especially those with children uh, I would imagine the game companies are, are thrilled that people are at home playing games and they are churning them out as fast as they as they can and I ran across some trivia that I thought you might find rather interesting um, regarding some board games so I ran across this site. I don't even know. I should have referenced where the site is, but you can find it. Just just look for trivia. But I didn't know if you knew that, for instance, in the game of Monopoly, how long do you think the longest game of Monopoly lasted? Well, apparently, the longest game was 70 days. 70 days. Can you even fathom playing a game that long? I wonder if that was just consecutive hours and minutes, or did they did they take food breaks? Did they play through the night? I just wonder about that. So that was interesting to me. I didn't realize this, because I'm a Monopoly fan. I, it just never occurred to me that Marvin Gardens... There, there's actually a typo on the Monopoly board. Marvin Gardens is real, but uh, it's supposed to be spelled M-A-R-V-E-N, not M-A-R-V-I-N. I had no idea. Uh, what's another interesting thing here? I didn't know this, that if the bank, this is officially in the rules, if the bank runs out of money, you're required to print more or hand draw extra cash. Maybe I did know that. I don't know. My, my memory fails me at that. Uh, let's see here. The most expensive Monopoly version of the game was valued at $2 million. It consisted of a 23-carat gold board and diamond-studded dice. Um, do you know or remember the names of the characters on the board? Jake the Jailbird is the dude behind bars and Officer Edgar, do you remember? Edgar Mallory was the one who sent him there. The game's mascot used to be named Rich Uncle Pennybags, but that was changed to Mr. Monopoly. How about that? Didn't know that. Um, let's see here. Boardwalk, the most expensive property on the board, has variants depending on where the game is sold. So in Barcelona, it is called Paseo del Prado. And in France, it's Rue de la Paix. Is that how you would say that? I'm not French, so I don't know. Um, this is kind of amazing. Six billion greenhouses have been created for the board games. <laughs> Six billion. And over two billion red hotels. So I thought that was kind of fun. There's also the game Shoots and Ladders. 
<laughs> this is kind of funny. The game was originally called Snakes and Ladders, but you know, us in the United States have to be PC and, and we want to make sure we don't offend anybody, right? Uh, we don't want to offend the snakes. Anyway, um, it says here that it originated in India. Hmm. Not sure about that, but I'll take it for what it says. Uh, what else is interesting? The original game of Squares of Virtue, is that in Shooting Ladders? I think so. It says here, the original game squares of virtue were faith, reliability, generosity, knowledge, and asceticism. I don't know. Maybe, I'm, maybe I've uh, jumped a, a game here. I'm not sure. Maybe the person who put this together is all messed up. Who knows? I want to get to Clue. Uh, the game Clue. Clue was patented in 1947 but wasn't released for two years because of post-war shortages. Um, what else? Miss Scarlet was originally portrayed as an Asian femme fatale, but in 1996 her race was changed to Caucasian. I wonder, I wonder why that was. Colonel Mustard sleeps with a revolver under his pillow. Mr. Green was originally a reverend. I had no idea. You know what? From now on, I'm going to choose Mr. Green. He needs all the help he can get. But Parker Brothers objected to a reverend being suspected of murder. Well, I'm still going to choose Mr. Green. Professor Plum, originally an absent-minded scientist, was changed into a video game designer in 2008's Discover the Secrets. Oh, my. What else can I tell you about games? Scrabble. I love Scrabble. The highest scoring word you can open with is Muzjix. M-U-Z-J-I-K-S, which is a Russian peasant. There you go. And you know what? I probably have had all of those letters on my on my deck, on my little holder, my tray, maybe numbers of times, but would have never put muzjiks together. The highest score ever in competition was 392 points with Kaziks, the word Kaziks, a Native American chief. The highest single the highest score for a single game was 1,049. Wow. Now, how would this be? It says, and while it's never been achieved, the highest scoring word possible, which I thought, oh, I get it. The highest scoring word you can open with is Moosejix. But the highest scoring word possible, but has never been achieved, is Ox, oxyphenbutazone. Oxyphenbutazone. Hmm. Well, there you go. Scrabble's original name was Lexico. 
Didn't know that. Game of Life was the very first board game invented by Milton Bradley in 1860. Um, thought that was interesting. Jenga. Have you ever played Jenga? You know, the wooden blocks. Jenga is Swahili for build. It's a relatively new game produced in the 1980s. 50 million Jenga sets have been sold, equivalent to 2.7 billion blocks of wood. They also write, write in here, nothing in the world is more stressful than a Jenga tower falling over. That There may be truth to that. Trivial Pursuit, that was very popular in my married family, family I married into. I was never really good at that. I, I don't really have a trivial, well, I have a trivial memory because it can't remember hardly anything. There you go. Put that well. Chess, the game of chess. I like chess. I play chess. Let's see, but is there anything I didn't know? No, I think I knew all of this. Chess originated in eastern India around 280 to 550 AD. Yeah, there is a nice big time frame. I'm glad they nailed that down. Expert chess players are believed to have 100,000 to 300,000 patterns stored in their memory. Well, that wouldn't surprise me. The current world chap champion is Magnus Carlsen. If you're unfamiliar with what has gone on in the chess world, you ought to look up uh, some of these chess channels on YouTube, like Chess24. You would be amazed, particularly if you're in my generation, a little bit older. You know, there was such a mystique and, and mystery to many of the chess players of the uh, 20th century, you know, that always dressing in black and white and very quiet and, you know, uh, they were mysterious, like how do you get that smart and so forth. Well, things have changed because of the Internet, and I think you would be pleased to see the younger generation of chess players uh, doing their thing on YouTube with humor and fun and uh, looseness and healthy and happy competition. I think I think you would find it fascinating. Speaking of fascinating, well, let's get into our topic today. Our topic today is about dealing with pain. That's a big topic, isn't it? And I think how I zeroed in on this was that one night a few uh, days ago, I had a tummy ache or some kind of intestinal something. No, I didn't have the COVID virus. But uh, I had it all night long. I think I had some kind of food poisoning or something from food that I fixed, which is kind of poison, <laughs> I guess. But uh, all night long, all night long into the morning, uh, I struggled to sleep because of this intestinal pain. I'm sure you've all been there. But I found that it was very difficult to maintain a healthy spiritual attitude during that uh, period of time. Now, that's not to say that I haven't experienced the grace of Christ during pain. 
there was a period in my life where I had uh, 24-7 migraines that uh, gave me a low-grade fever and body aches and uh, stomach stress, and it never went away 24-7, and I dealt with that for a period of maybe five years and uh, had gone to neurologists and received shots in the head and and all kinds of different medications, antidepressants and heart medications and so forth. But the side effects on all of those things were often too much to bear. And then through a uh, just a, a desperate time of needing relief from pain about four years later, I think it was four, maybe it was no, it's probably more like seven years later. Wow, did I deal with pain that long? I don't know, it's all a blur. Um, but for seven years, I coped with a, a pain that never went away uh, in my head and, and body. And uh, uh, in a desperation, I just began to do some of my own research online, found connections to magnesium uh, in its liquid form. And while I know that magnesium doesn't help everyone because everyone's body chemistry is different, for some reason magnesium did the trick for me, and uh, I I couldn't do it in pill form. The pill form really didn't wasn't enough. I had to put it on my skin, and I I had ordered something. I think it was called Dermamag, and uh, I, I I was taken back because, um, you know, I had to put this on morning and evening every day, and within two days, my, my migraines were gone. And so I maintained that for a period of about four weeks, never had a migraine, and then I was able to back off of that uh, regimen uh, so that it was like, you know, once a week, putting the stuff on my skin uh, for a half hour, and then it it moved to once a month and then I was able to maintain it with some liquid magnesium that I put under my tongue when I when I need it and so I, I just had no idea that I was magnesium deficient and I had gone to uh, you know physicians and so forth and neurologists but uh, no one ever told me about magnesium so when I told them they were thrilled to find out um, and for some people it works, and for others it, it makes things worse. Um, and so I'm not recommending it. I'm just recommending that you try it. But during that period of years uh, dealing with, I mean, it wasn't a pain that was debilitating. I had to work, and I had to do a lot of uh, family responsibilities and so forth, and you just kind of cope. But... One of the things that took place in the first year is that, and I had no idea this was happening in my in my pain, was that my personality was changing. At least what I thought uh, was normal was apparently not normal, both for my family and coworkers. And uh, uh, at some point, many of them, including family members, began to address me with uh, just a change in my in my the, the Chris that they used to know, which was no longer as happy as he used to be. And I, I guess I was just trying to cope and buttressing it with, uh, I guess you'd call it a whirlwind willpower, <laughs> and uh, thinking that I was doing pretty good when in fact I wasn't doing really well at all. 
and uh, didn't know how to how to change or fix that. Anyway, enough about me. I just um, wanted you to understand my audience that those of you who are experiencing, you know, physical pain uh, right now, my heart goes out to you, and I know what that is like, and I would bet that my pain wasn't nearly as severe as those of you who are coping, for instance, with uh, pain from cancer or uh, uh, some kind of uh, maybe chronic fatigue uh, thing or whatever other maladies are out there. I, I'm not saying that mine was the severest of the severe, but uh, it just lasted a long time. And so how do you stay faithful uh, during that time in the Lord? And, and how, what, what kind of adjustments do you need and to need to make? And so when I, I had this stomach virus or whatever I had a few days ago, I thought, wow, you know, I've been without pain for a while, although I, you know, I have pain in my joints, but that's just because I'm an old dude. Um, and I, I ruined my shoulder and my hips and one of my knees uh, from some warehouse work I did for a period of two years where I was lifting, you know, 150-pound uh, frame molding and blind boxes onto my shoulders and loading them on trucks and things like that. And, and um, I seem to handle that really well, but I'm paying for it now. So most mornings I have lots of pain that way. But as I was thinking about pain, how do we, how do you cope with pain? I'm sure there are options of medicines, painkillers. The problem with painkillers, and this is why I stayed away from them, is um, as a pastor, I have uh, run into my share of church members who became addicted to painkillers. Um, a couple that I know actually overdosed. And these were, you know, mature, mature Christian people in their 40s and 50s who, who over OD'd. And uh, I just, I didn't want to go that, that route. And there was some part of me in my Christian walk that understood that God knew I was in pain. I knew that God knew that I was in pain and that this was the path marked out for me as we talked about in our last episode about cooperating with God during difficulties. And so I, I think I, 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 I understood that I was suffering in some way with the Lord. The, we talk about the fellowship of suffering with Christ so that we may enjoy the, the uh, sharing of his resurrection, the fellowship of his resurrection. So I, I was very determined not to run from this pain and, and not try to hide from it or divert myself from it on purpose, you know, through pleasure or some other things. I, I really worked hard at trying to understand. So I, I wanted to share some of my reflections with you, uh, not to teach you or not to, you know, uh, lead you in some place that isn't helpful for you, but just to give you some thoughts to to think about if you are in pain, or perhaps you have a loved one who is in pain as well. And so um, one of the observations 
I I made and it's because when when I <laughs> I'm kind of a thinker I guess I would say I I uh, I'm not a fan of philosophy but I have studied philosophy and I think I to a certain extent I guess I'm a philosopher <laughs> And, you know, philosophers, one of their driving forces in their life, the compelling motivations in their life is they want to know why something is. And the answer book for my why is is always really scripture first. I mean, I, I have learned a lot from mankind and from the research that they have done, but I also know that it's imperfect, it's biased, there's agendas, there's it's, it, I, I can't always rely on on those things. Things that are facts for some are not facts for others. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure you do. But when I when I went to the scriptures, I was actually surprised at what I what I found. I found that uh, there isn't anything in scripture that takes pain away. <laughs> um. Unless God does something exceptional, which he does quite often for his purposes and for your blessing, he will step in and take your pain away. After uh, six or seven years for me, um, God stepped in and took my pain away. And I was grateful for that. Um, but it, it came through my own research. But nevertheless, I, I think it was the the Holy Spirit leading me because I was I was praying about this. Things were changing in my life, in my family, in my ministry, and I felt like I was a contributor to all of that. And so I needed to find some answers, and, and thankfully God gave me some. But I was astounded at, at the things the Bible related about pain you know if you just put into some kind of bible search program on the internet or if you have a concordance like a strong's concordance and you look up the word pain you'll find lots of words for pain but you're not going to find lots of answers for pain let me read to you some of the scriptures that i found just to share with you what i mean you know in genesis the first three places where we find the word pain it's interesting uh, in Genesis 3:16, the Lord God said to the woman this is after the woman had eaten of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil which changed everything for mankind and certainly for her um, her eyes were opened to evil for the first time and uh, she was in fact deceived but she also followed after her own desire to become like god and to know perhaps more uh she was not content with the things god gave to her and so uh her pain was increased and and the scripture says that god says to the woman i will increase your pain when you give birth you will be in great pain when you have children you will long for your husband and he will rule over you and I don't want to get into any theological stuff about that. We can do that at some point in the future, but uh, that's not the purpose of this show. Um, I will increase your pain. That's from the Lord to the woman. And then the Lord says to Adam, you listened to your wife's suggestion. You ate fruit from the tree I warned you about. 
uh, I said, you must not eat its fruit. So I'm putting a curse on the ground because of what you did. All the days of your life, you will have to work hard. It will be painful for you to get food from the ground. And the Lord was very sad that he had made human beings on the earth. This is in Genesis 6, 6, around the time of Noah. And it says his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord knows pain. The Lord gave pain uh, to Adam and Eve. And then I thought of the woman Hannah in 1 Samuel 1.16. She'd been barren all of her life. And uh, during one desperate time of prayer, because year after year she would go with her husband to make sacrifice with Elkanah, and uh, she would always pray that she wouldn't be barren, that she could have a son. And on one particular occasion, she's praying and crying, and, and the high priest thinks she's drunk and, uh, and reprimands her. And Hannah says, don't think of me as an evil woman. I've been praying here because I'm very sad. My pain is so great. You see the transition here of pain. There's... There's a physical pain that Eve experiences, that women experience when they give birth, and there's a physical pain that men or man will experience when they earn their keep. You know, they, they wanted to live life without God, so now they will find how painful it is uh, to do life without God. But in, in this... Uh, circumstance with Hannah her pain is in her heart there's a passage in first chronicles where Jabez cries out to the God of Israel he says I wish you would bless me I wish you would give me more territory let your power protect me keep me from harm then I won't have any pain and God gave him what he asked for I know that I asked to not be in pain and God didn't grant it to me not right away. Sometimes you will find that you are asking for freedom from pain, but God isn't answering that. And, I, and the big question is why? Why doesn't he do that? Job, if you're not familiar with Job, and that's okay if you're not, um, but Job is a book in the Bible and it's about a man who had everything. He had a large family and he was wealthy. And um, But uh, Satan demands to test Job. And God says, yes. Actually, I, I have that story wrong. God, God uh, actually tempts Satan with Job's life and says, see, my servant Job, how righteous he is. And Satan says, you know what? You take, every, you take all his blessings away and he'll curse you. And the long and short of it is, is that Job doesn't curse God. But in the course of, what is it, 40 plus chapters, Job begins to raise some very important questions about pain. He's, he's filled with heart pain over the loss of his family and he's filled with physical pain as his body is covered with sores and there's one there's there's a whole bunch of verses in Job 6 
uh, chapter 6, verse 2, I wish my great pain could be weighed. I wish all my suffering could be weighed on scales. He says uh, in Job 16, if I speak, it doesn't help me. And if I keep quiet, my pain doesn't go away. Wow. I mean, if the Bible doesn't speak to our circumstance, then nothing does. There is so much in the entire uh, canon of Scripture, both Old and New Testament. Um, and Job's heart, uh, if anything, it tells me and communicates to us that we're not alone in our pain. That pain is a reality in this life, both in the heart and in the body. In Job 30, he says, at, at night my bones hurt. My aches and pains never stop. In Psalm 31, I think this is David. I'm not sure, but I think David says this. He says, pain has taken over my life. My years are spent in groaning. I have no strength because I'm hurting so much. My body is getting weaker and weaker. That's in Psalm 31. I have said those things. Maybe you've said those things. Maybe uh, there was a, a work accident. Maybe you became paralyzed in a car accident. Maybe there was an aneurysm that took part of your life away. And now you have a tremendous amount of heat, hurt in your heart. Psalm 38. My back is filled with burning pain. My whole body is sick. I am weak and I feel as if I've been broken in pieces. I groan because of the great pain in my heart. Psalm 39. two. I was completely silent. I didn't even say anything good, but the pain inside me grew worse. I'm pretty sure many of you have experienced uh, huge losses uh, by virtue of relationships, by virtue of violence against you. Um, it's everywhere, isn't it? Pain is everywhere. 1 Peter 2, Peter says this, Suppose a person suffers pain unfairly because they want to obey God. Yeah, there's pain that comes uh, not because we deserve it, but just because, right? It just comes. Well, I want to, uh, I, I need to take a little break and, do, uh, and just uh, help those who are sponsoring us. So we'll come back then and uh, and reflect more, not just on the reality of pain, but but actually press into some perspectives, okay, on on how to do more than just manage our pain, but to overcome uh, pain that exists. Okay, all right. So let me uh, do this. We want to thank the Linked Local Network for broadcasting our show. Um, 
There are other shows that we have as a part of the linked local network uh, that we support. One is called The Road to Recovery, and it plays on Sundays at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. There is also a community voices chat that you can call into, and it's, it occurs every other Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And then also Pillars of Franchising, which uh, plays live on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Encourage you to check out those and, and actually put them in as a part of your, your schedule. Don't forget to subscribe to the Linked Local Network. That makes it easy to access uh, not just our podcast, Life Hurts, God Heals, but many, many podcasts. It is a podcast platform. And you can then locate uh, your iTunes um, podcast or your FM player podcast. In other words, when you go on to Linked Local Network, um, type in... Uh, your iTunes or your FM, or if you go to iTunes, look for Linked Local Network, um, and then you will be able to find our pod, the POD, Life Hurts, God Heals. You can contact us on our Facebook page. Um, we're always monitoring that. That's one of our connection devices. You can email us at, this is all one word, sorry it's so long, but I didn't do it, so you can't blame me. Life Hurts God Heals 2020 at gmail.com. That's uh, Life Hurts God Heals 2020 at gmail.com. Also, um, in these episodes that I am doing by myself, as much as I would love to talk with you, I can't. I can't take a phone call. And it's not. Uh, I, you know, I actually could if I had two mouths and a third hand, then I think I could, you know. But uh, very soon, we're going to have some guest hosts, I think, and then we will be able to take uh, your phone calls and let you reflect with us on whatever it is that we are speaking and talking on. Okay? Is that enough commercial? I think it is. It is for me. All right. So we've been talking about coping with pain uh, as a Christian believer. And we've gone through just a very, very small sampling of what the scriptures say about pain. And I just wanted to point out to us as I was going through that, that the Bible doesn't really offer, you know, um, nice handy dandy equations and solutions to pain. It's clear that when Jesus uh, came and taught, he began over the course of his three and a half year ministry to warn and then remind the disciples that uh, there were some painful things that were going to take place in his life when he would be crucified, he would suffer and die at the hands of uh, the Romans and uh, the Jewish leaders. And he would be crucified and he would be raised again. And he uh, went to extensive lengths, both in Matthew 24 and in John uh, 15, 16, and 17, to speak to his disciples about the pain that is coming. 
and a pain that is coming upon the whole world. Pain is a symptom of sin. And as much as we would love to have God relieve us of our pain right now, right now, it seems that even if the pain is relieved, there would still be a future pain to deal with. If the arm is fixed, the leg will break. You know, it's that kind of scenario for all of us. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, uh, it was a, a remarkable sign and wonder, communicating to everybody that the Messiah, the Lord of life, was among them. He, Jesus, was the resurrection and the life. But that did not preclude uh, Lazarus from actually physically dying again. Nor did it take away the reality that people would suffer, uh, perhaps, in their death and die. The promise was that there is a future hope where they would never die again. There would never be suffering again. That is the hope by which we draw strength. Strength to endure. That's the, the important aspect of this. You know, I'm sure if you've been a believer for some time, you have you've perhaps have uh, read through Revelation, the book of Revelation, but there's, there's a very important verse that's pertinent to us, and it's in Revelation 21, verse 4. He, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know, tears speak about pain. The Bible says that, that God is aware of our pain and that he collects, he collects our tears as in a bottle. He knows the pain and he is aware of how painful pain is. But in that Revelation passage, Revelation 21 verse 4, he says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death and there'll be no more sadness. And there'll be no more crying or pain. Things are no longer the way they used to be. So, yes, we are in broken bodies that produce great pain. And some will have to deal with more pain than others. But we also deal with a, a broken nature this old fleshly carnal nature experiences great grief and sorrow and hurt abandonment aloneness all of those things are extremely painful to deal with and we can we can put you know a smile across our face during the day and and then go home and cry and weep i'm sure all of us are aware of that but the promise of the resurrection of Jesus is that within our heart, something more powerful than pain has come upon us. And I just want to challenge each of us on this. You know, our body is wearing away. The Bible says so. In, in Corinthians somewhere, I'm not the address, Bible address expert, 
so don't feel bad, even though I've been doing this for all my life, it seems. Uh, but as our bodies are wearing away, the apostle says, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And you know, it was about three or four months ago, it occurred to me that, yes, our bodies are not only wearing away, but we have a propensity to experience more pain. Um, the problem of pain, the problem of sin and suffering, you know, sin won't go away. The temptations won't go away. I wish they would go away. I wish God would not send the ice cream truck down my street, right? But that's not what he does. He wants to do a work within us that says, and that we would know that there is something far more valuable than ice cream within our heart. And I want you to live on that and experience that. So that even if the ice cream truck comes down your street, you're not pulled to it like, you know, like someone with a leash on you, pulling you along, but that you're actually free from the temptation, or, or at least from from uh, the compulsion to obey that temptation. See, I think that is the wonder and the overwhelming victory of what Christ has done in our life, is that something internal has taken place when God moved into our life and took up residence there. Things have been rearranged. Our value systems have been rearranged. And, and now what's up to us is a decision. Do we want to actually walk in that and lean in that and live in that? It's always amazing to me that when the apostles, after Jesus had ascended and spent, you know, uh, 50 days with them after his resurrection and talked with them about, uh, you know, what had happened and why. And and uh, and here they are walking with the resurrected Lord who, who they saw died. And now he's eating breakfast with them and meals with them. He's chatting with them. They're laughing together. And then Jesus is then taken up into heaven. And, uh, and of course, then we, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit comes on the apostles in a dramatic fashion with wind and fire and all of those things. But isn't it interesting that when they are all arrested for preaching the gospel, they are flogged, uh, whipped by the uh, soldiers. And they are overjoyed. The apostles are overjoyed that they get to suffer with Christ. Now, you know, at first reading, you go, well, those guys just must be sick, sick for pain, sick for punishment. I don't think so. I think they were made well. They were no longer afraid of the pain. They no longer feared death because they knew there was coming a time when Christ would wipe away all their tears. And there would be no more death and no more crying, no more sighing, no more goodbying, no more pain. And that's where I think we need to at least draw our resource from. We draw our resource from the promise because God did something new in us. And by faith, then, we access that promise. And we lean into that, which means, practically speaking now, when you wake up in the morning in pain, 
there's joy in your life. There's not joy in your body. Forget the body. Don't focus on the body. It's demanding to be focused on, isn't it? Focus on what God has done inside of you. He has put a real, redeemed hope in you. You belong to him. He's taken you by the face. He's cupped your face in his hands. And he says, you are mine. And I want you to suffer with me. And in due time, you'll be free. I encourage you in your pain. Yes, ask the Lord to remove your pain. Be faithful in that. But don't put your whole life uh, anchored to that prayer. It may be that you're not ready to receive the freedom. Because God has something deeper inside. He wants, he wants you to look with eyes of faith to the great promise when you will be free from pain. Can you even imagine your life free from pain? I can't. I can't imagine my life free from pain. What will that be like? And yet, these are extraordinary times where, where essentially the apostles were saying, we consider it a privilege to suffer with the Lord. When I wake up with hip and shoulder pain, and I began to, I, I began to learn this with my migraines that never went away, I had to realize, the, and, I, and I came to the reality, it was a working reality, that I accepted the pain, and then I moved beyond it. Because I knew God knew it. He knew it. And this was the path marked out for me. This was my training. And I wanted to be in that training. And I was going to pass it. Because I wanted God to smile. I know that God loves me. But what I challenge you to do, and I do it every day, is through the pain, I want you to love God back. Suffer the pain out of love for God. Do it for Him. And there will be a rich blessing. I, I just want to close with this. And I want, again, the Holy Spirit is the teacher for you. God's Spirit. He connects you to the Father. And so this allows you to, to know the pain of God. And it allows God to know your pain. Deep inside, he knows what you're, what you're dealing with. And, and that's the connective tissue uh, for you. That's what you have in common. It is a fellowship, a communion, or a community of suffering. Okay? In Peter, I, I read this verse earlier. I just want to read it again. Remember when he said, suppose a person suffers pain unfairly because they want to obey God. I don't think pain is ever fair unless, of course, we deserve it. But most of us, you know, particularly as believers, I'm not sure that we deserve the pain. It's just that we're born into it. Okay? We're born into this. But Peter then says, 
Suppose a person suffers pain unfairly because they want to obey God. This is worthy of praise. Let me encourage you, friends, if you're suffering in pain, to suffer it in obedience to God. This is worthy of praise. I know there are many TV channels and many uh, teachings out there that would say you're not supposed to have pain and they want you to send in money, <laughs> you know, so that they can pray for you so that your pain will be gone. And, and I, I get that. I understand the thinking behind that. But I, I don't believe that that's completely biblical. But that's just my opinion. Because there's so much that God has for us in the middle of our pain. He says this is worthy of praise. Obeying God in your pain is worthy of praise. So I encourage you, praise the Lord. If you're not able to smile, that's okay. Smile in your heart. For the joy set before Christ, he endured, right? You have a great joy ahead of you. For that joy of being with the Father, with the Son face to face, and also for the joy of loving Jesus by suffering with him in this community of suffering. You're bringing praise and glory and honor to his name. And I'm blessed that you would, would do that. That's, that's what I'm working on. All right, folks. Uh, that's, that's the episode for today. God bless you as you honor and serve him. Keep, keep looking into the scriptures for your answers. And uh, we will be with you next week. Same time, same channel. All right. God bless you all.